0: All right, great. Um, so I'm not sure if you've ever been to a circus. Have you ever been to a circus? Uh, yes. Yes, yes, no. Have you Have you ever seen an elephant in a circus? No. Yes? No? Obviously it's, it's very cruel and you shouldn't do it and so on. Um, but I don't know if you've ever thought about uh, how they actually train the elephants. Have you ever thought about this? No. Well, I, 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 thought, I, I thought I would look it up. Uh, I was a little bit interested, I don't know why. Um, and I found a really interesting thing, actually. And um, I forgot the picture. When they're, <coughs> when they're training elephants, one of the biggest problems is the fact that the elephant is the size of a you know, building. Uh, and very, very strong. And so the question is, how do you get it to stay wherever you want it? Uh, because it's massive, and if it really wanted to, it could push through just about anything. Uh, and so I found that what they do, actually, is they put a, a kind of a metal... Uh, I don't know what it's called sticks. but kind of a chain around its leg uh, and then tie it when it's very small and I have to get them when they're very little uh, and tie it in some way to uh, a small stake and the stake is big enough and strong enough with the chain to hold the elephant while it's little uh, and actually if the elephant tries to pull away which apparently they do uh, it, it actually it can't, it's impossible and actually if it does it too much it begins to hurt uh, which obviously is very sad Uh, But the end result is that the elephant learns, there's no way that it can pull away from this chain, uh, and so it eventually just stops trying. And actually, as the elephant grows, and it goes and it changes its identity completely from being a little tiny elephant, well, not this big, but you know what I mean, uh, from about this big, to to growing up to be a fully-sized elephant, then even though its identity has changed and it's massively stronger and could easily pull out the little peg and, and break the chain it doesn't try because it thinks it's impossible did you know that? Yeah, interesting um, and and actually actually it's very similar to us in a lot of ways uh, we, we can have really wrong thinking about who we are and, and the elephant actually is chained not with something not a physical chain but it's trapped there by its understanding of the situation and actually its wrong understanding of the situation. So in its thinking, it's unable to break free from the chain. And it's tethered by nothing more than a wrong understanding of the situation. Um, and the reality is that for us, we, we live, we can live in quite a similar way, actually. Uh, the reality is, in the world, there is just a battle raging. You know, the world is a very spiritual place, uh, although we're not aware of it quite a lot of the time. Uh, and there's a battle raging. God is calling people out from from lost people. He's calling them into relationship with Himself. And spiritual powers are opposing God. I know that sounds very weird in our culture and this sort of thing, but this is what the Bible teaches us. Um, and God is calling people to Himself, and then He's calling those rescued people to go out into the world. And proclaim this good news of freedom, you know, through Jesus. You know, we live in just probably the most, well, one of the most exciting times in history. Because God has revealed his plan for salvation. He's revealed his plan to reconcile people to to himself. And we live at that time. We live at this time of proclamation. And we should be living with, actually, urgency. I should be living with incredible urgency. But the reality is that a lot of the time, I don't know about you, but I think I live more like I'm at a holiday camp, or more like I'm on a career path, or, or more in that way, actually. And the question is, you know, as as, as Christians and if, if you're not a Christian with us today, I'd, I'd ask you just to, to bear with us, listen through to the end, hear the whole hear the whole story. But you know, for those of us who are Christians, uh, I think I think we, we feel this tension. Within us, we feel that we should be living a certain way, and then the reality of our lives is very often we we don't quite live with that same level of urgency. And and the question really is, what's the solution? How do we avoid living like this? You know, circus elephant tethered, you know, to really what is a very small chain, used to only the life of the circus, not not aware that there is freedom and jungle and so on. Um, and the, the reality is that, uh, especially in the book of Ephesians, God has shown us in, in large measure the way that we do that. Um, because, and, and here's what I want you to get today, and hopefully it's, it's coming up on the screen. So uh, we have basically a new identity in Christ and relationship with God. This is the, this is the foundation of our lives, It's the fact that we've been given a new identity in relationship with God. Uh, and so, because of that, we must have our thinking changed about who we are, uh, so that we can live lives for God's purposes in the world. And I'll say it the other way around, uh, just, to, just to get on the, uh, on the front end of things. So it says, to live our lives for God's purposes in the world, uh, we must have our thinking of who we are changed, so that... Um, <laughs> uh, I beg your pardon. Yeah. Uh, because we have a new identity in Christ, in relationship with God. So we've got to have our thinking changed. And and how does that happen? Really, we've been talking about that in the last kind of three uh, months before our March for missions. So in January, February, a little before that, we were doing the first three chapters of Ephesians. And really, this is the content of our new identity. Um, And really what I'm going to be doing today is we we thought it would be good if we could just spend a little bit of time reviewing what we've done just in brief and then looking forward to see what's coming up in chapters 4, 5 and 6 because it is dynamite stuff. It's so helpful. Um, I've I've been studying the book of Ephesians for, um, I'm not even sure now how long, maybe two years, something like that. And I've found that just by going through it and really... Understanding how it works and what God's saying and the order of things and how our identity leads to what we do and how we live out of that. Uh, it's been so helpful to me. And actually I find that God consistently speaks to me just through just this one little book. And I would really encourage you, uh, you know, that would be where we're going towards the end of this. Yeah. If, if you haven't spent some time studying a New Testament book, I would say choose Ephesians. It's small enough that you can manage it, but it's also rich enough that it can give you really a very, very good foundation for the Christian life. Uh, so that's, that's where we're headed. And one of the main ways that actually we change is by having our thinking change. And in Ephesians this is uh, talked about as having our minds renewed. Uh, in, in Romans it's talked about this way as well. It's having this, giving ourselves a biblical worldview. So how to see the world accurately, how to see ourselves, God, other people, uh, You know, how we see all of those things accurately. And the thing is, we need to do it in cooperation with God. God doesn't just gift it to us. He doesn't just give it to us. Uh, we need to cooperate with him. And the main way that we do that is through his word, actually. And But you know, at the same time, we can't just do it on our own. We can't just read the Bible and and then that's it, you know, we've got it after we've studied it. No, we're still dependent on God because we need to have him teach us through the Holy Spirit. We need to have him reveal it to us. So there's this there's this working with God as we're having our identity changed, as we're having our thinking changed. And so that's really where we're going. Uh, in broad, broad summary, I'd say that chapters 1 to 3 in Ephesians tell us, who God is, I'm sorry, who God has made us in Christ by grace. And then our new relationship with God and with his people. Yeah, so that's who God has made us in Christ by grace, so it's free. And then our new relationship vertically with him uh, and our new relationships with each other. And then in chapters four to six, uh basically God will be telling us how do we then live our lives because of who he's made us and these new relationships that, that just in, in, in very very broad terms is, is where we're going to be going in the next few months and I don't know if you've ever done any sort of mountain climbing or anything like that, I know Rich has done an epic adventure, where was it in Russia was it? Elbrus that's it, uh, and from my understanding at least of climbing Mount Everest I'm not sure what it was like on Elbrus uh, you need to get to a certain point and establish like a base camp yeah? so you get to this place and you need to you know, regroup get your equipment sorted out in, you know, in, in Everest most people they need you know, those Sherpa guides to lead them up the mountain and so on and, and so I feel a little bit like that's what we're doing today, just sort of taking stock, looking at our equipment seeing how graciously God has provided for us he's given us everything that we need And more than that, actually, better than a sherpa, he's going with us. Uh, And so we're just taking a look now and looking ahead at the mountain and seeing where God's actually going to be taking us over the next few months. Um, One of the things that has really struck me as I've been going through this, and if you're you're new today or if if you're not a Christian, I would say please just be patient with uh, with, with this particular message. Because in, in last point it's going to be summary of what we've done. And also just very briefly looking forward at, at where we're going. And so if you feel like I say things and you think, well there's no explanation of that, oh, I am sorry. Uh, if you come back in the, in the coming weeks actually, we'll go into these things in wonderful detail. And I feel like you'll have a lot of your questions answered. Okay. But one of the things that struck me really is as I've been going through just these six chapters is that how crucial identity and relationship is, and actually how intimately connected those two things are. Um, Obviously, relationship with God is what matters the most, and our identity really is decided on our relationship with God. But that's not the only relationships that we have in the world. There are other persons in the world. You know, there's physical persons, and this is people, uh, and as, as we'll see in a minute, if, if God tells us that there are people who are spiritually dead and there are people who are spiritually alive in Christ, who are connected to him. Uh, and then finally, and, and normally this is not how we think in our day-to-day life, there's spiritual beings. So the Bible is really clear and Ephesians is really clear <laughs> that Satan is a real, a real spiritual being, he has a real effect in the world. And if we try and understand the world, apart from understanding that there is actually more than just us and more than just God in the world, we'll get very confused. And so those relationships really are what determine the course of our life, whether we like it or not. We're in relationship with each of those four. Um, So let's, let's just take a little look back. So if you've got your Bibles, I would invite you just to open up to Ephesians the, probably the first chapter just open up on the first chapter and we'll, we'll, we'll jump around in the first three chapters just a little bit just to kind of put things chronologically so we'll start in chapter 2 we'll go back to chapter 1 and finish at the end of chapter 2 like I say we're going to do this really in brief um, so that one of, the, one of the, the, the first chronological places that Paul starts that God actually starts, is who we were and who everyone is without Christ. And and God tells us who we were in the world and who all of the people in the world are without Jesus. And it isn't pretty. I don't know if you remember when I was talking on this, um, but, but Paul uses really, really strong language. He says that we're dead. He says that all the people in the world are dead if they're not in living relationship with the living God. Because Jesus is really the source of life. And if you're not connected to Jesus, you're not alive spiritually. Which, in the end, is the only way that really matters. Uh, And on top of that, uh, and this is Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, you can follow on the the screen if you like. On top of that, we were living doing doing evil things, actually. And so, Paul says... uh, at work among the sons of disobedience which is all the people in the world among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the flesh and the mind and we're by nature children of wrath so we're in the world doing wrong things we hurt people we are ourselves hurt and Paul is saying that actually the world system is made up of individuals living like this who then affect each other and themselves are affected and we're just caught in this endless cycle And that's what he calls, you know, living in our sins, and that's what he calls the world. You know, it's that collective, us living all together like that. Um, And, you know, you only need, really, to turn on the news to figure this out. It doesn't take a genius. Uh, You know, turn on the news, or just leave your car unlocked. You know, those are your two options. Um, But, but, you know, really, obviously, it's it's very serious. Uh, And the thing is, you know, the people influence us. And so those, those are our, our original set of relationships. When we're born into the world, uh, we're in relationships with other people in this world. Um, and not only that, but we're influenced by, as I said, spiritual forces. So there's you know mainly, mainly the devil, but other spiritual beings as well. And then to be honest, this isn't even the worst of our problems. Uh, the worst of our problems is the fact that Lord is one day One day, going to return to the world and judge us for our lives. And he'll judge us for sin. And the Bible's quite clear that everyone outside of Christ, we do wrong things, we think wrong things, we've made a mess of the world. Uh, and so we will be justly judged by God. And I would, I would love to spend more time on this, but I have to skip over it, which is, is not easy, but because I know there's so many questions that come up about that. Um, so this, this was our situation in the world. These were our relationships. Our relationships with God. You know, God was rightly angry with us. Our relationships with other people. We were you know, involved in sin and so forth. Um, and this, this is where Jesus comes into the picture. You know, this is where our hero, in the true sense of the word, steps in. You know, he came to earth and lived a perfect life. And died on the cross to rescue us from ourselves, from Satan, from sin, from death and from the just judgment of God. Jesus takes the punishment that was due to us so that we can get the benefits that really are his. And then actually he didn't stay in the ground, he was raised from the dead and he was lifted up to the right hand of God. And God made him the head of the church which is Jesus' body. And I just want to read you just just a little bit there. Uh, So this is from Ephesians 1. uh, and It begins uh, in verse 19. It says, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Jesus is our great rescuer. And this is where things get really incredible. Because God tells us in Ephesians that when we believe in Christ, we're united to him. In the words of Ephesians, we are in Christ. We are placed in Christ. And so what, what, a lot of what becomes true of Christ becomes true of us, actually. Our identity is completely changed. Yeah, we, we become in Christ. That's how God sees us. And we receive these incredible spiritual blessings in Christ. If you look in Ephesians 1, 3, which I think is coming up. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Uh, and so, what's, what's true of Christ becomes true of us. Uh, and just as I was thinking about this, I thought of yeah, a way that would be helpful to, to understand it. it. Um, is the picture up there? Great. This is, uh, well, I call him Mr. Mzili. Uh, he was, he's a, a representative of the Botswana Postal Service. He's a little wooden statue that was sent to me by my mum, very kindly, for one Christmas or something like that. Now, uh, Mr. Mzili is around about this big, and he's made of wood. Uh, and he travelled all the way from Botswana to Poland. So how do you think he did that? In a box. What's that? In a box. In a flight. In a box, yeah, maybe. In a flight, possibly. Yeah. How many people think that he walked? Probably not. Eh? I mean, wooden statues are not known for their athletic ability, are they? Uh, but what my mum did was she took him and put him in a box, you know, along with some other Christmas stuff, and then handed him over to somebody else. And he was sent nine thousand kilometres to Ireland. Technically, that should be impossible for a little wooden statue. They don't really travel that well. Uh, but here he is. And so, what was true of that box became true of you know this little wooden statue. You know what was actually outside of his abilities to do for himself was made true of him because he was inside this box that got posted. Uh, and. And I know that it's just, you know, it's a silly example, but I think it really helps us to understand we are placed inside Christ and what is impossible for us becomes true of us. You know, uh, and as, as, as God says to us in Ephesians 2, 4, he says, but God, and if you're at the retreat, then this is a very, very familiar territory, if <laughs> you can read it with me. Um, he says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So what's true of Christ becomes true of us. And this new identity brings out a whole new set of relationships with God really. It changes everything. Um... And just as we go into this, this next bit, uh, let's just remember that God is Trinity, which, of course is a very, very mysterious thing, but it's very helpful for us. And uh, what it means is that God is essentially three persons within one being. So three persons, one essence, uh, which you know is, is well beyond any of our understanding. but it, it, does, it does help us a little, actually. So God is God the Father. God the Son and God the Spirit. So God the Holy Spirit. And God has brought us into relationship with Him. And we have a somewhat unique relationship with each of the persons within the Trinity. And that's what we're going to look at just very briefly before we talk about how this affects our lives. Um, So God the Father has made us clean. You know, this is the big thing. So we've been redeemed in Christ. We've been made holy and blameless. Uh, And he's made us clean through Jesus' sacrifice so he could become our father and we could become his children. And really this is everything that we're going to be talking about for the next sort of ten minutes or so uh, is, is how our identity changes then how we live. How who we are has a fundamental impact, massive change on how we live if we understand it rightly. And in Ephesians one four it says that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. And in love he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. And because we're his children we have an amazing inheritance as well. That's what happens with children isn't it? You know, uh, your, your parents, you, you give them some sort of inheritance in some way. And, and the other thing is that God actually tells us about these amazing blessings. You know, this, this is the other thing. So it's, it's God's word to us. You know, he tells us who we are. And I think, you know, for the parents here, I don't know what it was like for you. We've had a lot of older parents, uh, some younger parents, sorry, at the back. Um, I don't know what it was like, but for me, when I had my daughter, well, I didn't have her, but you know, uh, <laughs> when Ola came into my relationship with a father, um, it changed the way that I saw God, actually. Because, and I see Sean's nodding, I think you, can, you get this as well, because when you hold you know, your little girl or your little boy or something like that, suddenly all of, so many things just fall into place where you just, you just love them so much just exactly for who they are. And with, you know, with God, it's one stage further. He doesn't just love us for who we are. He made us who we are, and he loves us because of that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's incredible. And so it changes our understanding of what it means to be God's. You know, I think, and, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll skip over this now. We'll, we'll come back to what that means for how we live. Uh, in relation to Jesus, uh, Jesus becomes our Lord, and we become the citizens in his kingdom. You know, and he is a good king. You know, He is a perfect king, the only king who is truly perfect. And not only that, because that would be great, uh, but not only that, but actually God unites us to Jesus, and he becomes actually... In the only way that we can understand it, he becomes our head in the same way that head is connected to a body. So we have our head is Jesus, and we as the church are his body. We're united with him in that way, and and that would be fantastic. But that's not all, because actually, you know, later in the book, um, God tells us that we're 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 actually so united with Christ that we are his bride. You know, he is the church's husband and the church is Christ's bride. You know, and so, again, you know, God, God helps us. We have similar relationships that, that help us to understand these things. Um, you know, when, you, when, when I came to Poland, you know, do you know, I, I, I used to live in England and uh, I, I came to Poland and it was, it was a long way and I had to fly on locked airlines. And I don't know if you've ever had to fly on locked airlines, but the, uh, the, the tickets are quite expensive. <laughs> and, uh, and so I went... But to be honest, after I'd met Ola, it wasn't even a question. I was just like, how much that's fine? Can I have two? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It just, it just wasn't an issue. Because I just loved her so much that I had to be where she was. It just wasn't an issue. I had to be where she was. You know, she's not... Like, for my boss to get me to move to Poland, well, I mean... I don't think I would have done, to be honest. I mean, now that I'm here, it's lovely and so on, but uh, at the time, it's just a long way, it's a different culture, all of that sort of thing. You couldn't pay me enough money to get me to move to a different country. I really liked England. But for her, because I loved her, oh, and it was easy. I just walked in, handed in my card, yep, take it, that's fine. You know, it was simple. It was so simple. And this is how, you know, having our identity changed, understanding our relationship to Jesus. Uh, in, in the way that God explains it to us here, changes it from, he's not our boss. You know, we, we are his beloved bride. You know, it says later in the book that he nourishes, you know, he loves and nourishes us as the church. You know, this, it changes things when we get this. And, uh, you know, just, just one more thing on this. You know, it says also that we're the temple of God. You know, that actually we have, by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has made us the temple of God, so we have access to God. You know, and actually the Holy Spirit is just active in, in our relationship with God the Father, in our relationship with Jesus. He, he makes it all happen, as far as I can understand. Um, you know, and so we're the temple, we're joined with Christ. You know, he, we're being built into a dwelling for God, where God lives. And we're being filled with God himself. You know, it says that, um, you know, God prays that we be, I mean, Paul prays that we be strengthened by the Spirit. Uh, and this is in 3.19, uh, where he says, I pray that you know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, so are you getting, are you getting just a picture of our new identity? And I know this is really broad strokes, but I just want to, Try and just get your heart, you know, so that you you look at God in just a different way. You look at yourselves and you think, wow, actually, this is incredible what God's done for us. And, you know, obviously in our relationships with each other, they change, don't they? People are no longer just people, but, you know, other Christians, they're our family. We have the same father, you know, and, you know, other Christians, they're part of Jesus' body. They're part of Jesus' bride. And so now, now that we've spent just a little bit of time looking at that, how, let's just look ahead, just briefly, in our last few minutes together. What's this going to look like? How does this affect the way that we live our lives? And this, this will be just you know, a, a bit more practical. You know, how does it actually change things? I think one, one last thing to say is, can you see the contrast? Right? The, the contrast between what we were and what we now are in Jesus. You know, we were dead in our sins, separated from God. Now we're connected to Jesus, alive. You know, we were in our sins, we were sinning, but now we're holy and blameless before God. You know, we were following Satan as as the prince of this world. Now our Lord is the great and glorious Jesus. You know, we were affected by the spirits in the world, but now, the Holy Spirit is within us, leading us. You know, and we were, like, God was angry with us. And we were destined for judgment. But now, we're God's love children, and our future is incredible inheritance with God. It couldn't be more different. And this, this total transformation in our identity is amazing, and it has massive implications for our lives. But... The problem is, if we don't have our thinking changed, we can end up like this elephant, can't we? You know, we can end up living lives in our old identity, thinking that we're powerless and we'll never break free of whatever chain it is that's, that's attaching us to some little peg. Um, you know, we just, that's, that's what we'll do. And so it's essential that we have our minds renewed. It's essential that we have our thinking changed. And we've, you know, we've talked about this already. Uh, and, and yeah, We've talked about it already. So we have a new identity in Christ in relationship with God. So that's the facts. So we need to have our thinking changed of who we are. Uh, and then, you know, after that, then we can live our lives for God's purposes in the world. You know, and we're, we're so dependent on God for this process to happen. Uh, And I'd I'd love to, you know, just go into it a little bit more deeply, but time is unfortunately running. Um, At the end of the day, God has always wanted to share responsibility with us. You know, if you think back to the beginning of the story where God created Adam and Eve, he gave them responsibility, he gave them rule over, you know, the earth and so on we're just built to have responsibility we're built to get joy from doing things you know in our our jobs in our lives I think for most of us like a really good ambition for us is to, to do a job that actually we're passionate about and that we do well and I think God put this in us as you know a really legitimate designer because that is what we're meant to be doing in the world and so he's always wanted to share responsibility with us because he's just a giving God. He just loves to share. And as we as we progressively come to know um, who it is that God's made us and our relationship with him, then more and more we'll actually be joining him in his work in the world. I don't know if you remember this from our memory verse back from Ephesians two eight and ten. And in in ten, it said that we are created in Christ Jesus. Can anyone remember what comes next? For good works, exactly. So right after God says it's by grace that you've been saved, our salvation is from God. It's by grace. It's free. But we're saved for good works. So God saves us for free, He gives us, you know, this relationship with us, He brings us into His presence, and He says, My children, now I've got stuff for you to do. Not we, we don't have to do these things to please Him, we get to do these things to please Him. You know, this is this is the great privilege that we're given as His children. And so let's just let's just look briefly ahead. At what's coming up in Ephesians, and see how having our identity of who we are and our relationship with God changed. How that changes how we live. You know, we've said that we're the body of Christ and we're the bride of Christ. You know, those those two things very very strong there in Ephesians. Uh, And if you just look with me in Ephesians four one to three, it should be on the screen as well. It says, you know, we're we're to be united. It says, Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. You know, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. You know, we're the body of Jesus together. You know, we we are the ones that are so loved. By him, you know we are his bride. And you know, for, for those of you who are married, uh, you know, if somebody if somebody says something to your wife that is negative, I'm I'm not a big man, I'm not a strong man, and my rage is probably very ineffective, but it, it would be aroused. <laughs> <elapsed. laughs> you know what I mean? But <laughs> what, what what I have, I would use to defend my wife if somebody spoke against. And how much more do you think it is with Jesus? It says, you know, later in Ephesians 5, it says that Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy and blameless and so on. Uh, but, you know, this, this is how Jesus feels about the church. So what that, how does that affect how we view the church? Right, how does that affect how we view each other? You know, we're looking at the most precious people to Jesus, the most precious thing to Jesus in some way. You know how does, how does that affect things? You know, so if you're having a fight with you know a disagreement or an argument, maybe you just don't even like you know one of you know, your, your your Christian brothers and sisters, or maybe you're just not even interested. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, if that's your situation, then maybe it's time that God needs to just change your heart, just change who we know that we are and that these people are. Do you know what I mean? like it changes things it really does and you know the fact that we are and and now coming into the fact that we're the body of Christ I don't know if you've spent a lot of time thinking about that so Jesus is our head he's in heaven and we're his body in the world and Jesus has given us the responsibility of continuing the gospel proclamation be reconciled to God in Mark it says that Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost and then he ascended to the right hand of God and sent his disciples into all the nations to do what? To preach the gospel, to continue seeking and saving what was lost through Jesus' work on the cross. You know, And, and so, if, if this is who we are, if we're the body of Christ in the world, continuing the work of gospel proclamation and the, and the drawing people back to God, you know, that changes things, doesn't it? You know, in in Ephesians it's going to talk about the fact that God has equipped us with different gifts so that we can work together. But if we understand ourselves as the body of Jesus in the world, where would Jesus go? What would he do? Who would he be with? Would he be doing what I'm doing right now? And I don't mean me right now, but I mean, you know, just in your situations. Would he be, you know, sitting, relaxing? do you be talking to people? What we do you do with my friend that I'm, I'm talking to now? You know, and, and so on. You know, it, it changes things. And the other thing is that, you know, as, as we play our part, it says that God's gifted each of us to to build up the body. What happens if a part of your body starts to malfunction? You know, medical students, I'm sure you know this full well, you know, just with these various autoimmune diseases where your, <clears throat> your body starts to attack itself or you have, you know, just different things which are doing the wrong thing in your body, it's, it's just mayhem, you get sick, and, you know, it's really sad. I remember we, you know, for our serve Sunday, we went to one of the assisted living homes, and there was a really lovely lady there called Helena, and, you know, she was trying to talk to us, but obviously she had some sort of difficulty, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but she couldn't move her arms properly, she was in a wheelchair, uh, and she just couldn't express what she wanted to say. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't helped by the fact that my Polish is rubbish. But, you know, it was just really hard for her to express it because her body wasn't doing what her mind was trying to tell it to do. You know, and I just, I wonder how much, you know, we as the church can be like that. You know, where we're just not doing the things that Jesus has called us to. He's gifted us to do. You know, and on the other hand, if we are, you know, when you see someone who has incredible athletic ability, when you see, it's, it's always the pole vaulters for me. Have you ever seen a pole vaulter? You know, they've got that funny stick, and then the thing is, you know, the bar is, who knows, high, high. Maybe ten foot, something like that. And they run up to it and just do the impossible, because the union of their mind and their body is just absolutely perfect, and they shoot straight up and over. You know, do you have that vision for the church? You know, the body of Christ in the world, doing the work that God has called us for, to be on mission, to call people back into relationship with him. And, you know, you think, actually, Jesus has gifted me. What is the church missing if I'm not there, if I'm not giving my, you know, my gifts, using my abilities? You know, it changes things when we begin to see ourselves, you know, not just as, I'm a Christian, I should do such and such. But no, actually, I'm part of Jesus' body. How does this change the way that we live? You know, and, and actually, I, we, we could go well on into each of these things, but I'm just going to finish uh, just with, just with one last one. You know Our relationship with the, the world and with the spiritual powers in the world has changed. You know We were following Satan, but now. Jesus is our Lord and King. And this means that we are drawn into a battle. You know, we're drawn into a conflict that goes on every day. And we really, really need to understand this. Because if we don't understand it, then our day is not going to make sense. Things are going to happen to us. Things will go wrong. You know, Things will be hard. And we'll think, you know, what's going on? I thought, I thought that you were supposed to just make my life better. You know, I thought that, you know, you love me, you're my father, why are you not blessing me, and such and such. Uh, But the reality is that we're in a battle. You know, just to close with what Paul says in Ephesians 6, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're in a battle. And actually, the way that this passage ends, uh, it says that we're to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is the proclamation of the Gospel, as we go out into the world, calling people to be reconciled to God. And in the end, God wins. Yeah, We're to put on God's armour, so we are strong in Jesus. The issue is not about us winning. The issue is just about us being aware that this is a battle and living with urgency. And so I just want to pray for us uh, as, we, as we close. And, uh, if I could just invite the worship guys to come back up. Father, I thank you so much for just the incredible things that you've done for us in Christ. I thank you for our new identity. I thank you for our new relationship with you, God. Lord Jesus, we love you, we praise you as our Lord. Father, we're so grateful that you are our Father and that we're your children. And I thank you that you've made us your temple and that we, we dwell with you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to go out into our lives. And as, as we come into this new part of our series in Ephesians, I pray that you'd help us just to be, to be diligent, to pay attention, to listen to you. And to call on you, God, please will you change our hearts, change our understandings of ourselves. We're so dependent on you. I pray, Father, that for each of us here, you would give to us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of you. I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so that we may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of your power towards us who believe. So I pray this all, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.